Googs house. All right. Houston officially has a new offensive coordinator, and his name is Dana Holgerson. Have you heard of this guy before? Wait. Wait a second. You are Locked On Cougs, your daily podcast on the Houston Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Cougs, daily podcast about your Houston Cougars. I'm your host, Houston-born teacher and coach, Parker Andrews, here to break down all things Cougs. If you're a U of H fan or just a hate or keen set by, please be sure to subscribe down below. That way you get the latest on the Cougs in your news feed each and every day. We appreciate you making Locked On Cougs your first listen of the day. Welcome back to the YouTube channel. It is good to see you again Uh Obviously, we're going to hear talk a little bit about football and the Dana Holgerson news out of the football program. Um, if that's not your jam, obviously, we're giving, doing a giveaway every 250 subscribers at 750. We're going to give away a one of those Galen Arms and Letterman jackets. Uh, you do need to be commenting on videos to win those. And I get that this is like basketball season to a lot of people and football not, might not be your jam. So if you want to comment on the video below and don't want to talk about football after you watch the video, do watch the whole thing. Please give us a thumbs up when you get there. Um, Tell us how you eat your eggs most often. All right. Now, in this episode, it's going to be a little bit of a breakdown about, A, the news around Daniel Holgerson officially becoming the offensive coordinator or taking over those kinds of duties, it sounds like. Um, he and Iman Nagavi will probably share that. We're going to get to that more in a moment. And then the second segment, I'm going to look at one pass play that Dana has run his entire coaching career because they ran it when he was a, uh, a student at Iowa Wesleyan, right? I mean, he has run it as a part of the air raid for his entire coaching career and that is mesh we're going to break that down a little bit assuming these diagrams that i did work thumbs up hope they work and uh this third segment we're going to look at my favorite rpo of dana's and kind of see how that could translate very easily with donovan smith into something that they're doing with nagavi based on what nagavi did at uh tulane now this is all experimental. I haven't ever done this deal. I'm going to throw up some graphics on what the play looks like. So for the audio audience, I'm going to talk through that. But in the visual sense, uh, obviously, it'll be on the screen as well. But first, before we get too far and too carried away, let's talk a little bit about the Dana Hungerson news. Now, I was on the record when Shannon Dawson got stolen and taken by Miami that I wasn't necessarily that upset that Shannon Dawson got taken to Miami as offensive coordinator. There were obviously some like holes in his play calling. I had feelings about last season let's say right um not explosive enough not gambling enough and frankly it kind of felt like predictable didn't feel like we took defense off guard a whole lot until there was some sort of switch mid-season and they won't say dana took, took it over but he certainly seemed to have more of an impact there he's miami's problem now and my biggest fear when houston lost him to miami was okay we lost him to miami in mid-february what's next like the coaching carousel has come and gone you're going to have to poach someone from somewhere else. The natural fit for a lot of people is Jake Spavadol. And to be fair, Jake Spavadol did just get the job at Cal, but he has, A, been with Dana for a number of years. He was in Houston, Oklahoma State, and West Virginia, uh, and A&M. Uh, I think I got that right in the West Virginia bit. And he, no, actually, West Virginia two different times. Good good call there. Good call there. Um, but at all those places as a primary quarterback coach or GA working with quarterbacks or as an offensive coordinator, he worked with some pretty strong quarterbacks in his single year at Houston. 
He was there for Case Keenum, right? We agree it's pretty good. But also at Oklahoma State, Brandon Whedon, future pro, uh, Geno Smith. Um, obviously looks a lot better now than it might have looked a year ago, but Geno Smith, right, when he was at West Virginia. And then AM, who worked with a guy named Johnny Manziel. Um, there's a couple of guys that, that Cal and stuff like that that I guess ended up going pro. Um, but those being the kind of the big names, I think Jake Spavadol would have been a great hire at OC. He's very familiar with the system that Dana runs. They again work together at Houston, Oklahoma State, West Virginia, and AM. Because uh, he does come back to West Virginia later before uh, Spout all going to be the head coach at Texas State. Um, and now he's uh, the OC at Cal. So p- pulling him away from Cal when he was just hired in December would be a little icky. But that, I think, was the pe- one people wanted. And frankly, had they not been able to pull Spout all away from Cal, this thing could have gone down, downhill in a hurry. The reason offensive coordinators stay on their butt in mid-February is because they don't get a job. Right, so like getting one of those guys probably wouldn't have been the best move. Um, Dana taking this thing over, I think, feels more comfortable. Plus, as many complaints as I've had about Dana Holgerson, the head coach, the offensive coordinator is brilliant. Right, he's kind of flippant, he's kind of arrogant, and he he kind of like is you know no, no frills when it comes to talking to media, press conference, fans, etc. But he can call and orchestrate an offense, and so taking that back on you hope brings back some of those same like dynamic offenses when he was like, you know, when he was at tech, when he was at Houston the first time, when he was at West Virginia, right? Some of those big time, high powered offenses that you could see happening. You kind of hope to see some of those again, right? Further. Um, I think there are natural pairings with he and run game coordinator, Iman Yagavi that he just pulled out of Tulane. Nigavi uh, has been office coordinator in the past. And so I think the simple thing there will be, that Nigavi will still facilitate run calls, and it'll be as simple as, you know, uh, Holgerson will be on the field saying, hey, I got 11 personnel on the field. I need two yards. What run are we doing? Right? Like, And having those kind of things ready. If, if Nigavi can have those kind of things set, and he's a former offensive coordinator, so I think he will. He also, also ran the run game theoretically at Tulane. I just don't know quite how their system works. Um, I think those things all work in his in Holgerson's favor. My concern Hey, I, I, I say I'm happy about this. So concerns are like loose, right? But all the concerns I had about Holgerson as a head coach, I'm only doubling down on when he has more things on his plate, right? Things like Houston being the most penalized team in football last year. How is he going to be holding guys accountable if he's also got to get a playoff every 40 seconds, right? Um there was the moment last year where he like went back and forth with the crowd because they weren't happy that he played for overtime one point or like that's fine. I guess if you're like a player, um, I don't like it as a head coach, but I really don't like it as a guy who then has to turn on and start calling plays on the offense very quickly there. Right? Like that's not what I want to see out of that. He's already kind of flippant and like, Oh, I did all I could do at moments with his head coaching job. Um, I don't think you can have that as an offensive coordinator and a head coach, because you got to like, that's all of a sudden I've done all I can do with a lot of different aspects of what's going on. The obvious uh, thing, I think like I can already hear Ryan Monso, who's Goku's great reporter, but I can already see him talking about these, like the expectations word that Holgerson was so upset that someone else put expectations on their program in the 2022 season when the program in the 2021 season went 12 and two. Right, the pro the program had expectations because they were good the year before, and Holgerson didn't like that idea of expectation and thought that that was from an outside in thing. Well, 
the expectations will now be on he and his offense. It's directly impacting. Like we can all see how that's performing. Whereas the head coaching, be like you know, balancing act, lots of different things, special teams, you know, managing egos, all those kinds of things, and the head coach. Now we can also see how the offense is performing directly. Now I think Houston's offense is up to be very good next year. Um, in the second segment, I'm going to look at Mesh, the favorite pass play that Holgerson runs. Um, They've always run some version of mesh at almost every stop he's been at. Um, and it's effective. So we'll talk through that. And the third second, I'll talk about one RPO that they've done in the past with running backs. And Clayton Toon ran it a little bit last year. A couple slight tweaks that they're going to actually match up very well with what Iman Nigavi did in his time at Tulane. I think all these things can sync up really well for an effective offense, assuming that the offensive line stays healthy because they don't have a lot of depth. I like the starting five. They don't have a whole lot of depth there yet, so I'm hoping for some guys to transfer portal in May, maybe change that up. Um, assuming all those things work, we'll talk about what the schematics look like in the second and third segments. But first, we got to talk about our delicious treat. That's right, Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious treat and you don't want all the fat and calories, you've got to try a Built Bar. We just got through the holidays. I know my goal is to eat a little bit healthier this year. And if you're like me and you want to eat healthier, but you don't want to compromise taste, then I've got just the thing for you. You've got to try Built. With Built, healthy is actually tasty. Seriously, they're so delicious. You won't think they're good for you. Perfect for your New Year's resolution. What makes Built Bar so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, folks. Real chocolate. And they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and coconut almond. I'm not sure how Bill does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. And what's even better is that they are healthy. Only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein for most bars. And now, you don't need to wait around and get a box. For years, I've been talking about ordering at built, uh, ordering your Built Bars at Built.com, but now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. That's right, you can head to your local Walmart today, walk in the pharmacy section, and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can have a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. If you're close to a Sam's Club, you can run and grab a 13-bar box with our hit flavors, brownie batter, and churro. Trust me and thank me later. That's Built Bars. If you do go to the website, go to builtbars.com slash locked on. Let, let them know that we sent you. All right. Um, I want to talk a little bit in this segment about the offensive uh, scheme that Holgerson is probably best known for. And Holgerson, I will say, is not quite an air raid guy, but he's certainly not a run and shoot guy. There's aspects of his delineation that feel like, oh, of course, this guy was coached by Mike Leach and Al Mummy. And there's also aspects of him like, of course, he ran offense with Cliff Kingsbury. And there's also aspects of him like, of course, he worked with Kevin Sumlin. Like he he seems to have a lot of stuff from all of his time in different places. Um, frankly, in the comments, if you're an ex's nose guy, tell me where you tie him the most to, because the more I study his offense and getting ready to talk about this tonight, the more I, I'm kind of not i i might have formally said air raid i might have formally like i don't know where i would have been 48 hours ago but in the last 48 hours and trying to mold together where i think this offense will be i think it's more complicated than that right um so i'm gonna pull this up and i hope this works ah there it is all right so the most commonly run play that holgerson will do in his time at houston is a mesh concept now i drove a mesh concept out of a simple two by two formation so two receivers on each side with what we call 11 personnel. So a tight end and a running back, one and one. Um, so 11, the first digit being the running backs, second digit being the uh, tight end count. All right. So in this, the tight end or the Y position is just a decoy. So you'll notice his route has a D at the end and he's running like a five or six yard 
slant that is just meant to like wall off defenses, right? The Z receiver on the far right side is running a uh, slant and stop or something toward the line to where he's going to like stick it in right there at a route. He goes five yards up at a 45 degree angle and then plants inside and sits to see what the defense does. The H on the backside is running a shallow or just dragging across the back of the defensive lineman as they're rushing. And then the uh, tailback or the T is running a simple wheel route on the play side. All right. So what you got is a wheel route to the play side and the drag coming around. The first read of all reads is the tailback. If the tailback is open, you hit him right away because all action is going away from him. And you theoretically think your running back can run away from all guys trying to cover him out that far in space. If there's no one out there sitting on the tailback, hit him, hit him, hit him. I think it's really simple and easy to run. Um, the interesting thing about the way that Holgerson run it is his check down route, the backside guy, the X, is traditionally for Holgerson, um, it's a check and chuck, right? And and I say that I call it a check and chuck because if they're in blitzing, you're assuming they're in man coverage because it's the most common way to, to run a blitz. And frankly, especially in college off in a college defense, that's like the most way, like easiest way to get after it, right? Hey, everyone gonna latch on. We're just gonna send the house after the quarterback, right? And what he's saying is if they're gonna like blitz, we're just gonna chuck the ball deep and hope for a jump ball, right? Like we've got great receivers. We've talked before about Houston becoming wide receiver you in a lot of ways. And so that backside, uh, the blitz breaker, it's got a BB at the top of it because if they blitz, you just chuck it deep, right? You know that safety's got to be covering somebody else because he's a or he's in the blitz himself. And you just throw the thing deep, hoping you get over the top there. All right, the way that this works best for Holgerson has traditionally been if they take away the tailback on the wheel route. Um, frankly, there would be times you watch where they don't, but if they take away the running back on a wheel route, what he ends up actually doing is coming back to the H or the number two receiver on the shallow drag because the two linebackers there are either going to get caught up in the wash with the tight end running vertical and then stemming across, right? And so they're going to run into a 6'4", 250 size guy, right? Think about, think about how big Christian Trahan was. That's the kind of guy they're going to run into if they're trying to trail the backside of the H receiver. Um, further, if it's going to be the lone guy matchup with covering him, you're assuming you're getting outside leverage there from a run fits perspective, right? That, that's a, an X's nose thing as well. But if you have outside leverage there, you're going to have to trail the H you're assuming your receiver is faster than their linebacker or down safety, and especially when he knows where he's going and that kind of thing. Now, if, let's say, a linebacker bails underneath the tight end or something and tries to go cut off the number two or that safety sitting out there kind of at the middle of the right hash in this cover two scheme or cover four scheme with two high safeties is dropping down and trying to take away that, that's why you have the Z sit down in the bubble there, right? So that's one, two, and three, and that's all the play side you tell this tight end that you're going to do some things to get him the ball eventually. And you can do some things. We actually turn the three, the uh, Z receiver into a true post and do a little whip route with the tight end. And he kind of trails the H um, in a cool way that would do some interesting stuff. You could also start like, so it's not so obvious in this formation with the H on the right side of the field in this case and motion him over to the left before then putting him into the shallow. Um, you could start the tight end off the ball, motion him on the ball, or, or all kinds of things. Kind of throw the defense off so it doesn't feel so obvious. Um, but as a whole, what you're seeing a lot of here is you're trying to get the ball to the tailback or the H receiver in space for short throws, long gains, right? Short throws with the ball in the air, lots of yards after catch because they're catching the ball in space, 
running full speed, ready to boogie, right? That's the goal. That's the goal. That's the goal. Can we get the ball to guys like Matthew Golden or Keyshawn Carter? Or I guess Keyshawn's going pro now, my bad. Or, uh, you know, Mikhail Harrison Pilot or whoever you want to get the ball to in short throws, just nice little dink and dunk throws, not even a whole lot of touch, although I would argue that the throw the tailback if it turns into a true wheel route can be tricky. Um, if you're trying to get the ball to those guys quickly, then you can get the ball in space and let them go be athletes, right? Let them go make plays. Let them go do what they do best. Let them, I mean, a Mikhail Harrison pilot or Matthew Golden's you know, personal perspectives, let them go do things they're going to get paid to do on Sundays, right? Like let them go make plays after that. Now, that, oh, uh, there we go. I say that to say that what's interesting to me about that is some version of that is in everyone's playbook. But what you're going to see with Houston doing it next year, because it's like a bread and butter thing of Holgerson's, is you're going to see it from a thousand formations with a thousand different trinkets with a thousand different, you know, dummy this, dummy that, window dressing here, all those kinds of things. Because going back to his time as a QB coach at Valdosta State in 1993, They've been running this in his system. I was interesting. I was in like trying to figure out exactly what he was doing with that blitzbreaker, with the you know, the check and chuck, as I've been trying to call it now. Um, I was watching some clinic tape of Holgerson talk through this stuff, and it was interesting. He said he'd coached it so much across his time in coaching that his first couple of years at West Virginia, and it, it sounds like even his last couple months at Oklahoma State, he stops running it because. Everyone knew to prepare for it. Everyone knew that if he was going to be in charge, he was going to do it. And then it sounds like by like the 2015, 16 era area of his time at West Virginia, shortly before coming a few years before he came to Houston, it feels like he finally just had to fall back on. It's like, I don't care if they know it's coming. I've got to do it because it's what I do best It's what I coach best. And with a, we'll say an experienced quarterback because Lucas Coley has taken more or less a year off, right? Because he played behind Clayton Toon last year and Donovan Smith played a few games and then became more or less just a runner for Texas tech last year. Um, those short throws to turn into long plays are huge, huge, huge for what Houston's going to need to do next year with the football. I mean, there's only so many things you can do to cover up a young quarterback, but giving him easy short throws are great. And then, frankly, I know it looks like a deep throw, but, like, the easiest read in the book is they blitz, I throw far, right? They blitz, I'm throwing in the back pile on the left corner, right? Like, so in that instance, with the blitz breaker being the check and chuck, if they're blitzing, it's just let it fly deep. Throw it in the trash can down there in the corner, and if our guy gets it, great. If our guy doesn't get it, we'll play another down, right? Those kinds of things are, um, I think, really really set up, setting Houston up for a good offensive season. And in the third segment, I'd like to talk some about how Nagavi in the run game and uh, and Holgerson himself could do actually set up some things to be really, really successful. However, I want to talk a little bit about LinkedIn college first. Or sorry, LinkedIn <laughs> LinkedIn jobs first. Uh, now, LinkedIn jobs is your number one place to find all your online small business hires. They have all kinds of great tools that can help you get up to uh, 875 million people in their database into your applicant pool. They help match you up based on your information and your company and all the applicants in their 875 million people to the best of uh, find the best candidate and most qualified candidates for you fast and for free. So make sure you go to LinkedIn.com slash locked on 
tell them that we sent you that's linkedin.com slash locked on college to make sure that we sent you guys to LinkedIn. Uh, it's a great place for to post your job for your small business. LinkedIn.com slash locked on college. All right. So interestingly enough, um, we got another couple things here to look at. Um, Holgerson's known in the run game for a lot of RPO stuff. Uh, pre-box, uh, pre-snap reads the box, the tackle box. Um, he's watching linebackers flow mid-action. And because of that, the RPO diagrams get a little dicey. So um, what I think that the strength of this is that both Nyagavi and Holgerson will like, whether it's you know his time with Gino or whatever, um, the quarterbacks can run some. I think, I think it's Donovan Smith. We'll see, I guess, in spring ball very soon at the end of the month. Um, but the quarterbacks can run some. And so in looking at this diagram, and bear with me, there's a lot of lines here. But my favorite running play that uh, in an RPO system that Holgerson's run has been slant, slant, arrow on the backside. So, you know, trips right, slant, slant, arrow with a uh, counter or, or a quarterback power or something on the front side. So what you got here is you still have the same blitz breaker or the same check and chuck guy as the X on the bottom of the screen. On the trip side, trips right, right? You've got both the Z and the H running off ball slants. I mean, they're not on line scrimmage, but they are running slants with different landmarks. Their landmarks are noticeably different. And I've got them running kind of at the other two safeties to absorb them or run past them because the safeties cover them. That makes the read easy. That means that's why you run at them. And if they opt not to cover them, that makes the read even easier because that means the safety is running actively away from someone we're trying to throw the football to. All right. Um, what you'll notice is the line is blocking a true GT counter. I mean, the guard and tackle are both pulling, leading through. The guard is kicking out the uh, defensive end. Tackle is leading through on the play side linebacker to the left. And then on the back side, you've got a linebacker with a bunch of different options, right? He can either follow the tailback on the run and try and cheat over to the left side. He can bail backwards to the slant going behind him. Or he can trail outwards to try and cover up the arrow run by the tight end, right? Um, now, this might not be a Christian Trahan side side, and this might be the time you go tr- for true wideouts, but I digress. Um, that puts him in a bind. The quarterback's first read is, does that linebacker play the run? Does the number one linebacker there play the run? If not, you hand it every time because you've got five guys blocking five guys. If they just stalemate, you win the play, <laughs> right? And that's what you do on the first instance. Now, if he plays run like he should, you quickly then throw your eyes to the number two linebacker, the guy lined up outside of the Y over there. And that's a run fit why I haven't lined up over there, but you would throw your eyes over there to number two receiver or two tight end and seeing what does he do? Does he sync with one of the slants? Does he play the Y? Does How does he play the slants and arrow to his side? What I'd imagine happens is you actually probably inverse your bigger receiver to the H spot in this or to this middle slot spot in this. And you can have him kind of run through the same way you have the decoy route in the last play run through and kind of take away that guy as he would be covering up the Y. And then you automatically open up your own arrow. Assuming the corner doesn't bail. The corner bails, right? You got a little bit more space and not, you got to hit it pretty quickly. So what's happening here is interesting in a number of ways, but the thing I think that Nagavi and Holgerson will both like next year is you can do this, at a five wide because your quarterback can run the football, right? And so what you can actually do is move the tailback out to more of a true run, more of a concept over there with your check and chuck 
on the bottom side on the left side or you can run a more of a four quad type look and have another body out there blocking on the right what i imagine is more common it will be three by two however the more fun way to me is actually let the tailback lead block and get the quarterback an extra blocker through there because then you even have the safety accounted for the safety tries to fit in on run on the front side and then suddenly you've got an advantage all the way across the board uh, having a running quarterback really opens a lot of, up a lot of things in this instance and frankly assuming because we know Nigavi as I mentioned in the Nigavi preview episode it's been a few weeks ago now when they hired him um, he likes 11 and 12 personnel he likes the one and two tight end or H back type of sets and you know only three receivers in the field um, and so what I could see happening is you could pull a tight end a little bit tighter and and do some more stuff with it. Um, but I do think you can run this the same kind of personnel that he likes out there. What he might be more of a fan of is something more like this, where you run more of a zone look out of it, right? So the zone look, you have a couple of double teams on the offensive line. The left tackle is taking the left defensive end. The left guard and center are taking their size defensive tackle and working up to their size linebacker. The right guard and right tackle are taking their size defensive tackle and working up to their side's linebacker. You'll notice that leaves one defensive lineman unaccounted for. You've now changed your read spot a little bit from a linebacker to a lineman, but that's kind of more what Nigavi does. Outside of that, a lot of this feels the same, right? So the handoff to the tailback is as simple as if that number one, the defensive end, stays home, you hand it. You've got five guys blocking five guys. They just got to win their blocks, right? Uh, If number one, the defensive lineman, the defensive end, trails the play, You've got six guys, and you only got five guys to block. Quarterback pulls it. That's when he gets out in the flat there, and he has the tight end or the Y out on an arrow. He has the H running the slam behind him, and you really read the number two or that linebacker to see kind of where you play on that. Obviously, you also have the Z running behind it, and if some safety cheats down and try and take away the first slant, you've got the slam behind him for a home run. And then, like always, with Dan Holgerson, you got the check and chuck on the backside. Now, again, if we were to try and modify this for a running quarterback, the fun thing to do here would be to actually um, do more of a traditional, like almost a QB draw kind of read out of it, where you have the uh, some sort of a route coming from your tailback. And in that instance, suddenly you're looking at a lot more kinds of optionality at your quarterback because there'll be that much more of a complex read on what the defense is doing. My first thought here would be to do some sort of a motion, an orbit motion with the tailback and send him out to the left flank and the left flat to try and pull one linebacker out of the box and then get a real, real quarterback, even if it's just quarterback zone, a, a nice box count for your running quarterback, especially a guy with some power like we know that Donovan Smith has. We saw that happen at Texas Tech last year some. Um, you can also run power to the same RPO with the same options to the backside. Um, that may be some quarterback power stuff where you take the, ta- the tailback and put, put him more like an H-back or, or a tight end quasi kind of guy to where it's like almost what I would call, I'd call two personnel because not 20 personnel. Um, anyway, you could see that happen as more of a crossover of what Nigavi and Holgerson do as well. It's going to be really exciting to see though. And I'm excited to see what happens at spring ball. Um, again, I'm optimistic about the Holgerson hire offensive coordinator. I think it can work. Uh, I say hired offensive coordinator. Like he didn't just like keep the job. He just claimed the job. <laughs> um, I will say, and I said this on Twitter, and I say this over and over again, and I will probably say it even at the lowest points of next season, 
they could have done a lot worse, right? They could have done a lot worse. These guys do match up somewhat schematically. And, well, for all the complaints I've got about Holgerson calling or like running a press conference or like calling the media or like calling fans out or whatever, I have no problem with him calling an offense. He is a brilliant play caller. And if he can juggle all of the things, he'll be okay. The problem is he's an offensive play caller, not a juggler. And so how does that go for him in the long run? Now, we'll be talking about it all year long, as long as they keep him on that contract here at Locked on Cougs. Make sure to subscribe down below. Hit subscribe. Tell your friends. Comment. Leave thumbs up. Tell people you enjoyed the content here at Locked on Cougs. Welcome back, and thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, Find me on Twitter, Talk Things Cougar Football. Tell me how you think the diagrams went on. Uh, You can find me at Painsworth512, P-A-I-N-S-W-O-R-T-H-512 on Twitter, Instagram, and all your various social media handles. Thank you all so much for listening to Locked on Cooks Day. Uh, My recommendation for a second listen is Locked on Big 12 because Locked on Big 12 is tackling a tremendous basketball season in the Big 12, big Monday night games for them as well. And also talking every day some degree about the ever-evolving conference and what will that thing look like come 2023, 2024, and beyond. So go give Josh a listen at Locked On Big 12, please, and thank you. So thank you so much for listening today to Locked On Cougs. Locked On Cougs, primary Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Go Cougs!